This is Confessions of a Former Mean Girl with Serena Myers. I'm a master transformation mentor and shadow guide, and I work with heart-centered, high-achieving women who are on the journey to becoming the truest version of themselves, which is only possible by first accepting all that they are. This podcast explores the lessons I've learned from my bad decisions so you can feel better about yours. It's normal to be a messy human, so let's talk about it. Hello, friend, and welcome to today's episode. We are talking about unworthiness. Now, when I first started recording this, this is, I think, my fourth attempt at starting the show because apparently today is a day of random distraction. I called unworthiness an emotion, and I think the more I'm sitting with it, the more I'm recognizing, even though it is something that we feel, the emotion itself is actually not unworthiness, it's a belief. It is a nugget that has been implanted into us that we've held on to as truth. And for most of us, it starts pretty early on, which is why it kind of cuts so deep. However, no matter where it has landed in your life, it is something that impacts the way that we prioritize ourselves, the relationships that we have, how we show up in our careers. It is the thing that has us overgiving and people-pleasing and anything just to prove that we deserve an invitation at the table. When in fact, our worthiness and our value was inherent. It was the thing that we were blessed with when we came into this life, but we forgot it. And here's the funny thing that just dropped in. I saw this image of a baby. And when a baby is born, when their diaper is wet, they cry. When they're hungry, they cry. Whatever it is, they make their needs known. They don't have any kind of internal programming that goes, hmm, well, my mom looks really busy right now, or my dad looks really tired. I don't know if I should let them know that I have these biological needs that need to be met. No, the need surpasses any kind of story because they don't have the stories yet. It is just present. And so they're able to convey what they want. They don't have the ability to you know, use language to do that, but they're able to make their needs known. And so that's how I know that we come into this life with our worth being a given. And it is through time, through experience, and through the messiness of being a human that we forget. And even when you're doing this work for a long time, and I would consider myself to be in that camp, it is still something that I will bump up against every so often. I definitely saw it a lot more in my single days. There was something about the modern dating life that was so triggering to these old stories, these old hurts that I held on to. And that was, you know, the relationship that I had with the divine masculine. And it's still a thing for sure, but it doesn't show up for me as presently because I'm happily married. But definitely in my youth and in my single days, it was a lot more prevalent. And I notice it now oftentimes in relation to my career. So I'm going to share a little story. I had somebody who is in sort of a, a neighboring industry where we have a little bit of overlap and I really, really like and admire the work that he does. I think he's really great. And he's been in my network for a number of years. And recently I went and taught in his program. And afterwards he asked to book a call with me. He thought there'd be something that we could do together that would be really cool. And I was really excited at the opportunity, if for nothing else than the fact that he has a much bigger platform than I do. And I'm looking for ways to expand my network and get in front of more people with my message. And so the day of the call, <laughs> the time went by, he didn't show up for the Zoom and I had emailed, you know, at about like the five minute mark saying, hi, are we still on? There was no response. And then a day later, it was like, oh my God, I missed the call. I'm so sorry, whatever. 
And I understand we are humans, shit happens, no problem. So I rescheduled the call. And this week we had the rescheduled call and once again, he didn't show up. And immediately I found myself deflated. In fact, like the call was for one o'clock and I rode off the rest of the afternoon because I just dropped into such a funk. Even though I have been in this really inspired and creative and just like really like tuned in place where I'm just getting shit done and I'm productive and I feel like I'm on top of the world. But what I noticed is that after these weeks of feeling like I was on top of the world, I also lost my cousin. And in that period, there was a shift that happened and it didn't matter how much energetic protection I did. It didn't matter how much I meditated. It didn't matter how much I cleared my own energy between my own grief and holding space for the pain of the other people who love my cousin, my vibration shifted. And with that, the frequency dropped in a way that old triggers started to become easier to tap into. And so the story of unworthiness is a really, really big one for me. Now, the reason I bring this up is because when we do this work of healing ourselves, we want to get to that place where we have unshakable certainty. That's always a term I use, unshakable certainty in who we are. And with that, I mean 100%, you cannot convince me that I am not who I am, good, bad, ugly, all of it. But if you're only 99%, and we can't be 100% all the time, if you're only 99%, that little crack is the door being open for the shitty things, including our old hurts, our old wounds to come to the surface. And in my case, it was the grief the loss of my cousin moved me from my 100 to, I don't know, I wouldn't even say I'm 99, to be honest, because I'm still recovering. I'd say I'm probably more like 92. So that's like a pretty big window for the old stuff to be able to come to the surface. And it doesn't come to the surface because the subconscious part of you or the shadow side, you know, is an asshole who wants to hurt you. Like That's not it at all. But what it is, is revealing to us, oh shit, there's still some work to be done here. So I sat with this feeling, which I recognize now, with the benefit of hindsight, is a feeling of rejection. And once I could identify what the feeling was, I could also start to tap into what the stories were behind that rejection. Not where they came from in my origin story, because I already know that, and it's actually not necessarily the most relevant thing in this moment, but in what I would tell myself, what I believed as to why he didn't show up for the meeting. And it starts off where, you know, oh, I'm small potatoes. I don't really matter. Oh, well, you know, if I was important enough, then he would have made sure that he had the link for the call. Oh, and all these things that are really diminishing thoughts. But being able to look at them like right in the face and hear them. And when you say them out loud, like when I say out loud to myself, I wasn't important enough for him to make sure he had the Zoom link for the call. When I can actually acknowledge that story, I can go, time out. Like, what evidence do I have of that being true? Someone not showing up for a call can be something as simple as being stuck in traffic and not being able to get to a stable Wi-Fi connection to be able to have a call. It can be being double booked and not having proper support systems in place where someone's going to, you know, manage your calendar and make sure that shit gets taken care of. Like, and sometimes people are just assholes. Like, I'm not trying to deny that. And it is very possible that there is something like that going on, especially with this being the second time that this flaking has happened. But why am I making it about me? And I remember this hugely when I would date somebody and things would end. It was always, what did I do? How am I at fault for this thing ending? Instead of being like, hey, maybe that guy was a real asshole. And oftentimes, frankly, they were. 
But we are so used to holding on to this part of ourselves that feels responsible for everything. And so when things don't pan out the way that they're supposed to, and we have this experience of disappointment and hurt, the first thing we do is look for the failings within ourselves to blame. When in reality, I had a call. I showed up for it. I did my part. When the five minutes passed and I emailed and said, hey, like you're not here. What's going on? I did my part. So how is this about me? And the only way that we can get to that place is first by actually, first of all, acknowledging what emotion is being triggered underneath that unworthiness. Brene Brown also does this work around our core values. And one of mine is connection, which is why rejection is so big for me. Because I want to be included. I want to have relationships. I thrive on the people, like the right people that I connect with. And so when I notice when my big hurts have been triggered, I can go, okay, wait a minute, which of my core values is being pushed here? And whenever I'm having feelings of unworthiness, it really ties down to that idea of connection. And when you think about connection, it's so big for us because like, if we look at historically and the things that we've inherited in our DNA all the way back from the generations that came when we were cave people, being rejected from the tribe was death. So when you're having that nervous system response of like, oh my God, I'm worried I'm going to be rejected, whether it's because of unworthiness or because you've set a boundary or whatever it is. When you have this fear of rejection, this is like literally there's a part of your brain that believes it's life or death. We have people who have had past lives where they were condemned as witches, where they spoke their truth and were burnt at the stake for it. And they hold on to that. Or they are the descendants of witches and their DNA recognizes if I am my full truth, I'm going to be rejected. And so there are these stories that we tell ourselves of either why we're not deserving or the things that we have to hide within ourselves because we feel that they won't be accepted. And really what it comes down to is this need for us to declare ourselves worthy, declare our own value, to not need that external validation. And when we have that unshakable certainty when we're operating at 100, boom, we've got it and that's fantastic. But the reality is we're going to have bad days. We're going to go through tough times. We're going to be stressed. We're going to be anxious, whatever. And that's when we feel our, when when we feel our 100% start to drop, that's when we have to be on the lookout for the things that are going to come up. Because even though those things are revealing themselves, it doesn't mean that they're true. You know, just because I'm having this experience of unworthiness and the old stories that were attached to that doesn't mean that I am actually unworthy. It means that I still have some work to do on myself around that. And we can get into the inner child work and everything else. I actually have workshops on inner child work and inner child connection so that we can heal that relationship with ourselves, And that's definitely part of it. But really, it's just in the witnessing, the witnessing and the not judging. So recognizing, first of all, that the unworthiness story is, you know, currently in the driver's seat, recognizing what's underneath it, and then looking at those specific stories and admitting them to yourself out loud. Because once you do, They are almost ridiculous. And please, if there is something happening in your life where you have convinced yourself that someone else can dictate your worth, your value, cut that tie. Take that power back. You deserve to be the one who declares what your contribution is, what it matters, how it matters. 
Years ago, when I was in corporate, I had this really weird hybrid position. It was part marketing, part sales. I had a massive sales quota that I had to hit every year. And I was also the one responsible for generating the leads to be able to do that work. And when it came time for my salary review, there wasn't really a job like that, that I could like pull the statistics and say, hey, this is what the average is for this role. So I pulled all of the marketing data and I pulled all of the sales data and I sat down and I had my salary review. And I had never felt more prepared in my life. And I presented all of my material and I said, okay, well, this is the average of this, this is the average of that, somewhere in the middle would be this. And I think that that's the raise that I should have. And it was a matter of $3,000. I was asking for $3,000 more a year. And I was willing to forego commission in order to get it. Because for me, the security of the day-to-day paycheck was much more important than anything that I could do. Even though I had a million-dollar quota, and the potential for commission was great. I was looking for the stability. I was raising my teenage sister. That was the most important thing. And I will never forget this moment. The owner of the company said, Serena, I want you to think about your strategic value. And by that, I mean, if you were hit by a bus tomorrow, how hard would it be to replace you? He then went on to tell me who in the company would be very hard to replace. And he never overtly said that it'd be easy to replace me, but it was definitely implied. And I cried. I literally bawled my eyes out in the middle of my salary review. And then as a giant fuck you at the end of the year, he had to pay me 10 grand in commission. (laughs) So it ended up ultimately working out in my favor, but the impact that it did on my self-esteem in that moment was just heartbreaking. And on top of the humiliation that I felt in that moment, my actual dollar value worth was being questioned. There was also this feeling of being stuck because I was supporting my teenage sister, because I had to take care of myself, because I didn't have parents who could bail me out. This was the job. And there wasn't really an option for something else in that moment. And I was so terrified of losing that stability that I had to compromise myself in order to keep it. And we don't want to be in that place. Now, if someone was to have that conversation with me today, it would go very differently because I have a really clear sense of who I am and what my contribution is. And I would be showing up at that meeting with a whole lot more than just statistics. But it took work. It took reclamation. And given the fact that I questioned my worth just a few days ago and lost an afternoon because of it, it is a work in progress. And it is something that I'm going to continue to come back to. So if you start to find yourself with this unconscious belief around your worth playing out, and you'll see it as in the situations where you're compromising yourself, you'll see it in the situations where you will perceive a no as like heart-wrenching rejection, ask yourself, okay, what is being triggered here? What are the emotions underneath it? What are the stories I'm telling myself? And are they even true? And that will be just enough to get you going on this reclamation journey of unworthiness. And of course, if you need some help with that, if you need someone who can intuitively get to not just the heart of where you're feeling these emotions, but also help you to clear them, create something new, and to reclaim all that you are, then I have these beautiful one-on-one coaching programs, and it would be an honor to be your guide. That's it for this episode. Thanks for spending this time with me. Make sure to stay in touch between episodes by following me on Instagram. I'm at Serena Myers. If this episode inspired you or you want to support the show, please give it a share to your favorite peeps and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time.